Hey there, Trails to the Border podcast listener. Thank you for tuning in. We wanted to reach out to you during this challenging time. Know that no matter where you are on the planet right now, you are dealing with some way, shape, or form the pandemic of COVID-19. Here in Washington State, where I live, the schools have been shut down now for a couple of weeks. People who still have jobs have been working from home, bars, restaurants, have all been closed. It is definitely an uncertain time. So James and I thought it would be great for us to get back into our virtual studios and bring you a podcast so you have something to listen to, maybe a bit of information as well to help you navigate this challenging time, but mostly just let you know that we are thinking about you, we care about you, and we want to make sure that you are healthy and safe. And so please Uh, feel these words across the airwaves and uh, let us know how you're doing and how we can help. Please keep in touch and please be safe. Thank you. To all of you TikTokers, uh, Snapchatters, Instagram meme accounts, thank you for your service. It's been fantastic to see. Welcome to Trails to the Border podcast, season four, a podcast where two entrepreneurs on two sides of the border come together to talk about business, travel, and their love of nature. From the United States, I'm Dan Moore, and from Canada is James Anderson. Hey, James, how you doing? Oh, man, you know, things are good. All things considered. COVID-19 is in full rampage mode. So, uh, yeah, spending a lot of time with the fam, a lot of dog walks, hanging out at home. I recently won a game of Risk, so I Holy got cow. That. What I was know. your strategy? Well, uh, so... It was it was a multi pronged approach, you know. This wasn't my first my first strike at uh, risk game, but I was pretty pleased with the outcome. Basically, what it all came down to, Dan, is conservation of resources and taking Asia late. You know, you don't want to jump into Asia right away. The border's just too big. Same thing with Europe; it's too much. You really got to focus on Africa and South America. I think those are those are your real your real chances. And you know, don't be scared to use some turns without attacking, you know, not collecting those resource cards, but just storing your troops. Cause when it, when it comes time, your opponents are just going to battle each other to death. You know, you got to be ready to pounce. Mm, good to know. Um, so you said COVID is rampaging, meaning you you've been infected or meaning uh, the impacts of the, the pandemic are rampaging and impacting you. That's a great, uh, great clarification. So uh, I have not been infected uh, or anyone I know, I should add. Luckily, uh, thank God, things are um, on a basically lockdown where I live, though. As you can imagine, in Whistler, a town that relies 100% on tourism, we are 100% dead right now. Um, There is no one here, of course, and the seasonal workforce has left, which makes sense. Um, and, uh, there's, uh, no businesses open really. There's a few restaurants that are still open, just doing takeout, uh, or delivery and the liquor store is open. The grocery store is open. Pharmacies open. 
Uh, but there's nothing else. Everything is closed. And uh, there's very, very few cars on the road. So it's uh, it's kind of like taking Whistler back to like the mid 80s, maybe. That mm. That is really, like the level that we're looking at right now. It is very interesting to see. And is that happening because the government, uh, the national government, the provincial government, just Whistler itself, who, sh- who shut things down? So it's a combination of many things. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, our largest market is from Washington State, which, as I'm sure you're well aware of, and I'm excited to get your point of view on this, is one of the sort of hotspots in the U.S. right now. It might have been, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's other hotspots now, but when COVID was first starting to take hold in the States, that was sort of the one of the epicenters. And since that's one of the areas that Whistler relies on for a lot of its tourism dollars, um, we have obviously been affected. Um, so the national government has come out uh, and imposed, uh, I'd say, gentle restrictions on people. They're, they're encouraging people not to do anything right now. Uh, old Trudeau came on uh, to his morning press conference. He's doing daily press conferences right now, which I think is great, to be perfectly honest. And they're very reassuring. Um, he's, he's a good sort of consoler at the moment. But uh, basically saying, you know, enough is enough. Everyone needs to stay home. Uh, there's a great satirical website actually in Canada, uh, sort of like The Onion, um, but just on Canadian news called The Beaverton. And they had a great headline that said, Trudeau reprimands public for ignoring their half measures. And I thought that was a pretty good headline because the federal government has not uh, imposed anything with teeth. They've left that up to the uh, provinces and municipalities. So our province has mandated that non-essential businesses shut down. So things like uh, hairdressers and barbershops and tattoo shops and recreational um, activities such as axe throwing have all closed. And then municipalities are taking a step further. So a lot of municipalities are shutting down playgrounds, parks, uh, anything like that, municipal services and, and municipal buildings are all shut down. So it's uh, it's pretty quiet right now. But I'm dying to hear what's happening on, on your side of the border. Well, before um, I indulge in that, I do want to ask you a question. I mean, typically, uh, business is going strong for you at this time of year, right? I mean, um, ski season goes well into April, typically, uh in Whistler. So um, when did you start seeing the impacts on your own business and what are some of, what are, do you have any resources to be able to deal with this? Yeah. So uh, we saw things start to happen fairly quickly. You know, we obviously had our eye on this and at first I just thought, you know, every day our perception on it changed. So uh, we were like, oh man, this summer it's going to be tough because uh, Asia is dealing with this horrible problem right now. And, you know, obviously they're going to have to try and contain this. I bet there's going to be a lot of scared people there. No one's going to want to travel. So we'll be, we'll be ready for a slowdown and travel from Asia. And then it was like, oh, this is actually in Europe now. So we're like, oh man, this is going to slow down European travel as well. Possibly Australasia as well, because you know that's a very close proximity. So we're like, yeah, we'll get ready for that. It might affect the seasonal workforce a little bit. Uh, and then it started to ramp up super, super fast. So 
we started seeing, as soon as it kind of got into the States and it started becoming a problem in the States, uh, we quickly after that had a, our first case in Canada, which was in British Columbia. So we're, we are the epicenter in, in Canada and in, in our province here. Um, and then every day things just got more and more intense. Uh, the day that Trump uh, closed the European travel uh, was the day that was sort of the um, the nail in the coffin for tourism in British Columbia. That uh, as soon as that happened, it wasn't necessarily that Europeans were traveling to the states and then to Canada, but it was just such a defining stance to take that they were closing travel like that. I, I couldn't believe it when I first heard it. Uh, that I think a lot of people realize, like, oh, this is actually suddenly an extremely serious uh, thing uh, that's that's going on. And shortly after that, uh, Trump and Trudeau uh, held joint, well, they held their own respective press conferences, but they announced that they were closing the Canadian border to non-essential, uh, Canadian-U.S. border to non-essential travel. So, uh, you know, we watched uh, our, you know, one of my main methods of marketing is uh, online marketing. And I've sort of always been excited about the analytics and reports that it generates. Um, so when times are good, you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. You know, you see sales coming in, everything like that. And then when you're in a situation like this, when you realize times are uh, not so great, it also gives you a really interesting look at a 2020 uh, hindsight of what has happened. So I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Saturday, March 7th, uh, you know, we were declining a little bit. March 1st, we were... Um, you know, 16% down from our uh, previous year, uh, which, you know, it's, it's, it's a dip for sure. It's a bad dip. But uh, after March 7th, we really started to decline. And right now we're sitting at uh, 88% lower search volume uh, than we were last year. So wow. uh, it, it has not rebounded. And obviously bookings are at zero because we had to close our door. Unfortunately, we had to lay off all our staff. It was a very, very tough day, um, you know, especially for our staff. I, I really feel for them. But um, the, the hope is that we can... Uh, you know, weather this storm as a business and rehire them uh, as soon as the uh, COVID-19 uh, fear and and spread has been has been stopped or controlled. So it's a it's a major event, and I'm sure that our results right now mirror tourism businesses all across North America and the world. Uh, you know, this is not just a, a Whistler problem. What we're seeing, uh, people are just not. Uh, not participating in tourism and travel the same way that they have for years. So it is a very, very uh, dire, I, I would say, I don't want to sensationalize this, but uh, it's, it's a shocking event, I think, for the tourism uh, industry as a whole. Absolutely. And do you have any, I mean, how are you going to survive? Do you know yet? Uh, well, we do have, you know, we're, uh, operate as a business with cash on hand. Um, so we have a bit of cash on hand, which is great. We've obviously had to cut all non-essential expenses uh, for the business. So 
you know, when times are good, uh, businesses tend to get a little bit fat. You know, you're able to try different things. You subscribe to services. Uh, you know, you use uh, agencies and and uh, uh, contractors and and things like that, which is great. Uh, but unfortunately, those are the first things that you have to start cutting when you're in my position. Uh, if there's a chance for me to cut something and bring it in-house, uh, that's what I'm going to do. We had to cut all our staff. So bringing it in-house just means, do I have the capacity to do that job? Uh, so one of the things that we were right in the middle of was a renovation. Uh, mm. We have two unfinished bathrooms uh, downstairs. I'm, I'm in my office right above our space right now. And we were halfway through this renovation and we were working uh, with contractors and we saw the writing on the wall that this was not going to get better before it got worse. And, you know, they were uh, among the people that we unfortunately had to lay off. And my partner, Brett, and I uh, made the decision that we were going to take that on as, you know, that's work that we can now do. Uh, you know, I'm not great at doing those things, but uh, we do have time on our hands right now and we don't have, we have more, we have more time than we have money. So yeah. we have to, we have to take on all of those things. So we will be doing, uh, construction. Uh, you know, we will, I spent all morning working on, you know, my email marketing campaigns. That's something that always, uh, kind of, I, I shift off because, you know, our, our online marketing has been good and it's working. I'm like, ah, oh, the email marketing is working, but I often don't revisit it. I don't really have that luxury now, uh, you know, so now I can spend that time to really work on those things. So, you know, when times are good again, that system will be in place. Um, I have a, a community that I also manage uh, on Facebook called the Axe Startups Group, where mm. I've been helping other people start venues. And it's it's rough to see what they're going through. You know, there's people on there who started their business six months ago and they're not in as good of a position. Uh, so, you know, there, it, it's, it's hard on everyone, but, uh, you know, what, what you have to do as a business is lean down as fast, uh, and aggressively as possible. Um, and then make sure that, you know, when, when we lay off staff, uh, those staff, some of them were working for us for years. It's, it's very hard. It's not easy to to lay people off. And, uh, you know, it was important for us that we were able to help them as much as we could. So, you know, we made sure that they were aware of every uh, we have a, a, a program here. I'm sure you got a similar one called EI employment insurance. And so if you are out of employment, insurance can kick in. You have to apply for it. There's a lot of red tape. Uh, you know, myself and our bookkeeper, Misha, walked all of our employees through how to apply for all of these assistance programs, get on it right away, make sure that they get their spot in line because, uh, you know, everyone is going to be applying for EI right now. Um, unfortunately, as a business owner, I do not qualify for EI. Um, so, you know, Brett and I have taken a substantial pay cut, uh, which is basically means we're not really paying ourselves anymore uh, because we don't have any cash flow. Uh, we're literally on conservation mode. We are using uh, what our business has saved, our cash on hand, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, not too much, but a line of credit as well so that we can weather this until that we're able to uh, start generating uh, uh, income for the business again. Yeah, that's rough. And as you correctly pointed out, everybody across the entire globe is pretty much in the same boat. And so this is going to require massive investment at government level and, and nothing short of that is going to get us through that. 
No, it's uh, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, we 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 tried to keep our our staff on as long as we could, but once you see um, once you see those signs and and you recognize like, oh wait, this isn't this isn't something that's going to take a week, two weeks, three weeks, or even a month to go through, and and there's literally no end date in sight at the moment. Uh, you know, it it would be far worse for us to try and keep all of our staff on and then be in a position where we had to close the business because we can't weather this anymore. And then yeah. we can't hire anyone at the end of this. So it, you know, it, it, from the outside, I think a lot of people see business owners laying people off and they're like, that's ruthless. That's horrible. How can you do that? It's like, man, I wish we didn't have to. I really, really wish we didn't have to. It's the hardest thing we ever do, right? Is 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 laying off great people who rely on us for their income. It feels horrible. And it's the last, absolute last thing you want to do. But when you see those signs, um, you have to take drastic measures. And it's very unfortunate um, that that people's livelihood gets affected like that. But hopefully, um, you know, People adhere to the social distancing um, and self-isolation, self-quarantine that that is required of people, and we can stop the spread of this awful, yeah. awful virus. Uh, awful it's our pandemic. only hope. It's our only hope. Yeah. for listening to Trails to the Border podcast, a podcast where two entrepreneurs on two sides of the border come together to talk about business, travel, and their love of nature. From the United States, I'm Dan Moore, and from Canada is James Anderson. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Stitcher. Well, um... I have invited uh, one of the reasons that inspired me to want to reach back out to you and get our our uh, we were on hiatus for a couple months and this will be the start of season four and I wanted to get I felt like our audience as well as plenty of new audience that's out there who has a lot of time or a lot of uh, moments to think would might appreciate a conversation like this and what inspired me to want to do this is uh, recently sitting in on a webinar that the Adventure Travel Trade Association put on. And one of my longtime friends in the industry who I've learned a lot from is Lauren Heffron. And Lauren it was uh, one of the speakers on the webinar, and she shared some really interesting insights. So I'm going to bring her into the call now. Welcome to Trails to the Border podcast. I've got my co-host, James Anderson, who um, I believe you have met uh, at one of the Adventure Travel World Summits, he says, in Argentina, but we meet a lot of folks, so not sure if you remember. <laughs> um, yes, we meet a lot of folks, and I'm sure we've met. Yeah. Hi, Lauren. Great to speak with you again. Hi. Great to, great to talk to you, too. Hey, Lauren. Uh, so I was telling James that you... Um, were recently featured on a webinar put on by the Adventure Travel Trade Association, and you had a lot of great advice for businesses, uh, some advice that you've been personally been doing for your business, as well as just general advice. 
And that inspired me to write a newsletter uh, that I sent out um, last week. And you were featured in that newsletter and uh, inspired me to want to get you on our podcast so you could, uh, in a in in uh, other ways, in addition to that advice, share uh, what you're learning and, and what you're doing with, with our podcast audience. So first, if you could just start off by saying who you are, what your business is, and then we can dive into some of the strategies you're taking on. Sure, great. Yeah, my name is Lauren Heffron. Um, I am the director and founder of Chiclismo Classico, and it's uh, my 31st year of operating bicycle tours of Europe. I started with Italy uh, 19, uh, let's see, in 1989, and was one of the very first bicycle tour companies to operate tours in Europe. Excellent. And uh, how many, which uh, countries are you all in every country in Europe or uh, still? 50% Italy and then we're all over Europe. Yeah, we have tours in uh, in Spain and France and Ireland and Germany and Switzerland, um, England, all over, all over Europe. Yeah, so our playground is, is Europe. Excellent. And um, the assumption would be that th- there are no tours operating right now and perhaps not for the foreseeable future. Is that correct? Well, I mean, no. I mean, we're going to be hopefully running something. We don't know. I mean, uncertainty, right? That's the word. Everybody, we started out four weeks ago that we thought we could do Southern Italy. Then we thought other parts of Europe. Now we're, you know, over this. Now I'm already thinking over the summer to partner with some small operators in New England. So if you're a small operator in New England, give me a call. Um, So, I mean, it's really a moving target. So it's a. You know, you don't know. We have a trip in Ireland in July and, uh, you know, people want to go. They don't. It's funny. Like um, after 9-11, we got 170 cancellations in a week Um, after this. um, You know, there's just such a range, um, much, you know, much more of a range of people's fears and and and, um, you know, sort of curiosities than there were in 9-11, which is both, you know, positive and a negative because, you know, at least 9-11, you really sort of had one line of reasoning and you had sort of two buckets of people. And those are people that didn't want to fly and those people that want to fly. But now you have doctors who can't get away and you have, you know, you just have a range. So, no, we're definitely not, we're not, we're going to be running trips whenever we can. But we have to be realistic. We want to be sensitive. You know, um, we want to be, we want to run trips that are, you know, where there's, you know, where there's actually places that we can run them in. So it's really, everything is moving. It's fluid. It's organic. It's, it's really, it's interesting that way, but it's also very challenging. Well, can we first just take a couple steps back and just what um, uh, one of the pieces of advice that you shared in the webinar that I also put into my newsletter was just the idea of picking up the phone and talking to your customers. And I'm wondering if you could just share a bit about what you've learned from them in terms of what their thinking is. You said it's across the board, but I'd love to just hear a few anecdotes from those conversations. Absolutely. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing I did was, of course, I, I you know, as I usually do in, in, in any businesses, you start, you start looking at what other companies are doing. So we're all sort of looking and trying to see where everybody's landing in their in their messaging. Right. But, you know, what, what comes natural to me, how I started my business and what comes natural to me and I have no problem with it because I've I've dealt with people on the phone for 30 years. You know, I pick up the phone and I just start talking to people. So um, I would struggle with writing the letter to my customers and then you know, it just never quite felt right. So I started picking up the phone and honestly, people were, I'd say, how you doing? You know, how are you? And they'd say, how are you, Lauren? How are you? So that was the most wonderful thing because for the most part, um, people were very caring. They, you know, and my, a lot of my, a lot of my customers are alumni. They've been on 
two, three, four, 10, 13 trips. And, um, you know, they were really immediately empathetic. So, you know, in a letter, you don't get that. You write the letter and you go, oh my gosh, what were they thinking? In a phone call, mm -hmm. you know, you get right away, you know, what, you know, what they're feeling. And, um, in the beginning, I had some customers that were, you know, you have people that are really caring a lot about themselves and there's a lot of negotiation and a lot of what's in it for me. But what really, and then I kept waiting because I, as I, as I knew that it was going to arrive here, you know, I, I waited to kind of, you know, as I was talking to people, I didn't go out and call everybody. I, I sort of just picked up the phone several calls per day. And as it became more apparent that it was arriving in this country, I mean, people's empathy just grew. It was really interesting. Like at first it was like, oh, poor Italy, poor Italy. And then, and then, oh my gosh. And you know, everybody's empathy, you know, now it's here. And now everybody I'm talking to this week today, you know, they, they're telling me about their small businesses or doctors that, you know, can't leave the country because they're on the front line or, you know, so it's like, I'm, we're really just exchanging stories. So now my, my dialogue is really, how are you? And then it's like, oh my gosh, how are you? And then they, they, we sort of just spend several minutes talking about, you know, how it's impacted their life, you know? Um, and interestingly enough, if they can get outside, everybody's very happy to bicycle. So bicycle com is, is always a, a great part of the conversation. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use that as my strategy. I mean, I have sent out letters. I have some templates in HubSpot that I sort of do as follow-ups that I've, you know, I've tried to prepare them very sensitively, but but really, for me, picking up the phone, I think, is is going to be is really going to be key. Lauren, I think you make a really great point about everyone uh, being a lot happier when they're out on their bicycle. I've noticed that uh, in my neighborhood, especially, uh, that is one of the few things that people are doing. It's dog walks and bike walks and maybe going for a, a short hike. We have a lot of snow on the ground still, obviously, so bike rides are a little a little bit limited. But uh, as far as you know, some of the uh, social distancing measures that are having to be put in place, you know, what, what sort of advice might you give to your clients when you're on the phone with them about things that they should be doing right now and, and what sort of rides might be, might be applicable in, in this kind of environment? Well, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I know, I, don't, I mean, in Italy, unfortunately, you know, one of the first things I said to my guides was, you know, the first week I said, uh, when they, when pretty much it was a lockdown in Italy, um, I know, and they're very passionate cyclists, and they're like me. They, you know, they cannot stay home. And I would, I asked them. I said, "Hey, can you guys send pictures of yourselves bi bicycling?" And they'd say, "Lauren, we can't even leave our front yard." And and luckily, you know, here in Arlington, I just came back from a bike ride. Um, you know, so bicycling, I, you know, I can't, I'm not going to be a doctor about this, but I rode with a doctor on Sunday, you know, I ride with him all the time and, you know, he didn't have a face mask on. I mean, he, we rode side by side, um, you know, as I, I had a scarf, you know, and as I rode behind him, I rode far enough back. Um, and I, I pulled up my scarf when I rode behind people, you know, I mean, I guess I don't know if that's good enough, but you know, that was my precaution. I'm not riding in large groups. Um, I rode Sunday all day, you know, all day by myself, but I, I stopped places. I took pictures. I, I talked with people along the way. It was extremely after the week, after the weeks that I'm having in the business, and this is for anybody in the business, it was extreme, extremely wonderful. I mean, I called it a serenity ride. I wrote it about on my, on my Facebook because I really felt this extraordinary, extraordinarily, uh, you know, exhilaration to do this. Like I could have ridden all day long. Um, just, it was amazing. I, I'm thinking, oh my God, I could keep riding. And then I was really sort of ready for Monday. And, um, you know, both, you know, I, you know, both people in our industry and clients, absolutely. I just told one of my employees, please go out for a walk. You got to get fresh air. You got to, 
get your endorphins going. Um, I, you know, I, I have to do it. Even every day I go out, you know, in the right at right in the middle of the customer service calls, I say, okay, I can feel my nervous system kind of, um, you know, going out of control here. I'm just going to hop on my bike. And I do, and I come back an hour and a half later, two hours, and I'm, I'm ready to roll again. You know, so it's super, for me, it's super important. I believe it is for everyone. I, I think, as, I, as I've always known when I started my business, bicycling is going to win. I mean, I know one way or another it's going to win. I mean, I got into this because I love it, but I also think it is one of the world's greatest activities that, you know, if, whether you travel near your home or travel, you know, in the United States or travel abroad, I mean, bicycling is an activity that it will win. And I know the bike shops have been busier than ever. Um, um, of all, you know, the essential businesses are, are closing down around here, but I know that the bike shop is allowed to sort of stay open because people have their bicycles are broken, but the bike shops are booming. You know, people are out there and they're discovering bicycling. They just don't have anything else to do. Um, they put some signage out the end of our bike path here, you know, kind of keep six feet apart, which I, of course I, I agree. I think, you know, just, and you can, you know, you absolutely can don't ride in large groups, you know, two and three and four people. I mean, that's my advice. You know, that's, that's what I'm doing. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I think it's so important for people to take advantage of uh, a little bit of this time and 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 focus on themselves doing something like uh, like doing some recreation in the outdoors. Um, so, you know, Lauren, want, you've been in. I did want to add too, though, and I did send you one of my friends because um, I I don't think it's a good time to burn down your immune system. I think like if you're going to go for a bike ride, like a friend of mine, he sort of came back and bragged that he did 65 miles and he was he was exhausted, you know. And I emailed him back, I texted him back, I said this is not a time to wear, wear down your immune system. If you're going to go for a bike ride, you know, keep it just. I rode all day on Sunday, but I tell you, I rode I don't know 12, 10 miles per hour. I mean, I rode well under my sort of exhilarated pace, you know? So I think this, I got in as much sunshine and as much miles as my spirit needed, but this is not a time for people to be over ex exhilarating just for, just to keep themselves healthy. Yeah. And I think uh, just to balance that point out there, there, or, or just, just to add to that point, I think there's a balancing point. So on the one hand, we are fortunate uh, in most of the places in North America that we are not uh, being forced to stay in our homes um, and at the same time, let's hope we don't need to get to that point because I think Lauren, you're, you're the guides you're talking to in Italy. Uh, I mean, that had, had measures been taken sooner, maybe they wouldn't have had to be in that situation. It, it, you know, had we taken this, this crisis more seriously in January, uh, we might not even be in this place where we're, uh, social distancing like we are, but certainly when the time comes, if the health officials say, absolutely not go out on bike rides or go on runs or walks or, um, you know, we have to heed that, that call, but thankfully so far they've deemed it, um, you know, maybe there is a slighter risk, a, a slightly greater risk, but, um, uh, we can get out. I've been getting out running. For example, I went cross country skiing on Sunday and just staying six, 10, uh, feet away from people, um, or more. I mean, I think I've just been giving people a wide berth because I want them to know that I'm taking their health seriously as well. But yeah, I think, uh, right now it's that balancing point of being healthy, uh, uh, getting fresh air, getting exercise, taking care of yourself and not overdoing it. Like you, uh, pointed out, which I think is a really good point. Yeah, very, very important. And I, yeah, I mean, who knows what, what will happen. But I mean, if people, I think if people use common sense, I think 
when people start, you know, the, the, the rules come down is when people break the rules. And um, yeah, you know, I think in New England, I, we made a joke with my friends in New England. I mean, the, the thing about New Englanders, I mean, we're kind of social distance to begin with. I mean, we're kind of a prudent, we're not really a huggy, you know, a, like a huggy bunch of uh, culture, right? So I think it's kind of interesting, like, you know, we're not, we're not by, by nature a huggy group. So, but may, so maybe New England social distancing has already been a little bit part of our, our, our culture here, but that just, you know, I don't know. It's just a joke, but Lauren, having a successful business for as long as you've had right now, and, and congratulations on that, by the way. This, I'm sure, is not the first, uh, you know, event. It might be, it might be a, a larger one that you've seen, you know, a, an ebb and flow in the tourism sector. And in other times, could you maybe talk about different times that you've adjusted your business based on uh, the sort of the, the the supply and demand that's happening right now within the travel sector and how you use that time um, uh, effectively for your business? Yeah, well, this is, as everybody's saying in the travel business, there's just absolutely nothing like this. I mean, 9-11 was the closest. But as you know, in the travel business, we get hit with everything. You know, I think, you know, you know I really, we get hit with everything, you know, um, exchange rate, diseases, terrorism, you know, recession, you know, political stuff. I mean, everything, you know, so every time something comes along, you know, um, we get pinged a little bit. And, you know, I, I as I'm, I'm proud, I mean, I think there is a certain level of resiliency. After 9-11, um, I noted that people that traveled in 2002, I always told my team, like, you know, look look to those people because the people that decided to travel in 2002, you know, were the most resilient. I think the same thing will come out of this, the people that travel will be more resilient, but I don't know, it's going to be a little different. I'm, you know, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, how do you, how do you adapt? Well, I mean, right now I'm considering partnering with, um, as I mentioned, um, you know, I've got time. I know how to do this. I have a lot of friends in the industry. I have clients that, you know, are probably going to be, if it's okay to travel in the United States, they're probably going to be willing and ready to travel. Uh, I'm going to be bringing over some of my guides from Italy, um, because they love my guides. You know, they might not travel with just you know, a stranger, they might not just, you know, travel with a partner that they don't know. But if I say, hey, we're going to run a trip in the Fringer Lakes and I'm going to bring over Massimo, you know, I think I think I have a chance, you know, so you have to be innovation is key. You know, it's so key when you run a business. You, I mean, so I sort of I go micro and macro all the time. I go micro by talking with my customers and I go macro by thinking, well, what else could I do here? Like um, right now, for example, because I know that my guides are unemployed and I'm really sad about it. But, you know, they just no work and, and they're contractors. And they really have no work because they work very full time with me. I have a very small team of guides. I proposed to them that they, I noticed that they're all cooking. They're all telling, you know, the Italians are all saying how they're cooking and singing. So I said, you know, or, or, or playing cards. And I said, well, why don't you guys put together a cookbook and I will put it out there, um, you know, on a Kickstarter, you know, a platform and try to create a fundraiser for you. So, and I, you know, and I, I ran that by a bunch of my customers. I said, you know, if my guys created a cookbook, would you pay 10, 20, $30 for it? They said, oh yeah, I give you a hundred bucks for it. So, you know, and that'll be a hundred percent to the guy. So I think I have, I always tell my guides, I want to make it um, a, a win, 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 you know, something has to win. So any kind of decision, you know, I want it to be a win for win for the com company, obviously, because we have to stay in business. I want it to be a win for our customers uh, because I adore them and, and they're our lifeblood. And it has to be a win for our team. So I'm always I try to think in all those dimensions, you know, and I'm trying I'm trying hard. I'm asking my guides. Maybe we could even create a YouTube channel for Chiclisma Classico. So I think depending on the circumstances, um, you have to adapt. I mean, you have to adapt. 
I decided a, a while ago I didn't, I wanted to, you know, I was originally only in Italy till night to 2000 until 2010. Our tours were only in Italy. And, you know, I realized I wanted to expand beyond Italy because, you know, we wanted to have a bit more in our portfolio, so to speak. So if people either Italy, something happened in Italy or, you know, they want to do something else, I wanted to have more trips in Europe. So we have trips all over Europe. So that was an adaptable, that was something adaptable. So I think every single time um, we have to adapt. And I think as, a, as an industry, we're very resilient. And, you know, I think our customers are resilient, but I don't, I don't know how they will emerge out of this. Like it really might turn to people wanting to stay more at home. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of been thinking about a lot of things. listening to Trails to the Border podcast, season four. I was talking with a kayak tour operator here in Washington state this morning. We were talking on the phone just for the record to make sure people know that um, we're social distancing out here as well. Uh, And uh, asking him how he was doing and what was helping him or hurting him. And he said that he uh, has been in contact with his bank. And, and he, James, here in the U.S., the Federal Reserve, which is kind of oversees our banking uh, and, con- and controls the purse strings for what banks can lend, has just released an unprecedented amount of money to banks to get out into the, into the market. And so this uh, kayak outfitter said that uh, in communication with his bank, the only two things that they offered him, one, they said that you, he didn't have to pay his loan for three months. They would still be accruing interest during that time. Uh, and then the other thing they said is, well, we can give you a disaster loan, a 30-year disaster loan at 3.6% interest. And uh, he and I both started swearing at that point because we were just so frustrated that this money is out there and, and the small businesses that need it and deserve it are getting terrible options from banks. So that was a long lead in, Lauren, but I was wondering if you, um, what would help your business? Obviously you're smart and you've been in business a long time. You've probably have some reserves in place and are making smart decisions at this point, but in the long term, to weather this, what would, what would help you both from government, from associations, from just your colleagues around the world? What, what could you use right now? Uh, yeah, well, certainly we're doing the same thing. We're going to, we're trying to apply for uh, the small business loans. I mean, I don't think any, um, you know, we're not, yes. Are we prepared? Yes, we have reserves, but I mean, how many company, how many companies out there have a, a you know, a year's of, of, um, you know, a year's worth of operating expenses on, on, you know, in their, in their back pocket. I mean, that's ideally, that's what I would love because it's going to take time. I mean, I, it's going to take time to slow down and, and speed back up again. And, um, so we're looking for obviously some small business loans. We're, we're trying to figure out what they all are. I guess I would love to know what other companies are having success with. Um, what are they doing? That would be great if with the ATTA or somebody in, you know, and st- who's doing this strategically. Um, certainly, um, any kind of cooperative working cooperatively with other small companies. I'm very interested in that. If anybody's interested. So for example, this summer, 
Um, you know, like, as I mentioned, if there's any companies would like, you know, I have, I have clients, I have a lot of them, um, thousands of them. And, um, but I don't have pro, I might not have tours for them to go on this summer. So I, I would love to, to talk with other, other operators about how we could work together. I don't want to necessarily just send my customers their way and, and do that kind of thing. I want to sort of do a partnership. So that's one thing. Um, I, you know, I think, I think things are, you know, prices are going to have to go down. I think we've, I think over the years, the whole adventure travel business has, you know, it's all been inflated a little bit. And I'm suspecting that things are going to go, you know, everyone's going to come out of this um, a little more humble. And I think that, you know, that the pricing, the pricing is going to have to go down. Um, I think continuing the conversation, I really appreciate that the ATTA has been having these webinars. These kind of things are fantastic. Um, the more we can share best practices, um, I've been speaking with Dan Austin while texting him, and he's doing a really great job um, of communicating. And so I'm, I'm, I, I think that sharing those communications, and also Dan, I'm, I'm following his lead on his, on his um, coronavirus page. He said, support the travel industry. You know, let's like, let's all. You know, a lot of the websites are talking about our, you know, this company, my company. We should all be saying support the whole travel business because it's very vulnerable. Um, I think coming out the side, I mean, there's going to have to be changes of policy. I mean, I think that the cancellate the terms and conditions um, is is really in the in at this level not manageable. I mean, terms and conditions are are designed for a five to ten percent cancellation rate, but however. It's a problem when it becomes a 75% cancellation, you know, that yet your customers, you know, you know, there, you know, there has to be sort of an amendment. Maybe there needs to be a collective industry amendment under these conditions. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's our right to have to, to shift this a little bit. You know, it, it feels very bad to have to stick to these terms, conditions that just are not in, in our favor. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, I think it's a, it's very important. You know, it has to be adjusted um, for the and and also I think travel insurance I, that that's going to have to take a big. People are going to have to we're going to have to have travel insurance it covers. And I have a lot of travelers who don't even take out travelers and travel insurance, and we can't make them take out travel insurance. It's kind of like when you buy a car, you have to get travel. You know, you have to get car insurance. Well, I mean that 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 has to change too. So I think I, I look forward to the changes that are going to occur in the travel business as a result. I'm sure everybody's already thinking of these things, but, you know, these are the things that come to mind for me, you know, right away that, you know, we, we really want to respect, you know, the, the terms and conditions, but I'm coming up with some creative solutions. I'm offering people, you know, incentives to, you know, a percentage, um, their deposit plus a percentage to roll over their, their deposit. People are rolling over, which is their their deposit, which is great. Um, you know, it's their people have been really open to that. But those are a lot of my past customers that might not be future customers. So there's an education that has to occur as well. Do you see, Lauren, in in the travel industry? I think you brought up some really good points about the way that we will have to adjust and change. And of course, when there's any major disruption to a marketplace such as such as what's going on right now, um, the industry is going to look different in the end. Do you, do you have any other predictions about uh, what what trends might emerge or what might be different on the other side for for the travel industry as a whole? For entrepreneurs who might be listening and, and feel like uh, maybe they could uh, pivot or adjust their business to reflect that new reality. Um, I do. I think people are going to 
choose to stay closer to home. I, I think in the short term, for sure, uh, they're just going to choose to stay closer to home, which is why I'd like to develop some domestic trips and partner with people that do domestic trips. But also in Italy, they're going to, you know, maybe, you know, it, it's more, it's going to be more go local, you know, whole go local. I think we, um, you know, I think we have to think very hard and, and deep that, you know, we might come out of this and the skies might be cleaner and the water might be cleaner and the fish are kind of come back. And, you know, um, what we, you know, for years we talk about how eco travel and how can we help with global warming, but we're going to find out what we really have to do to, to impact global warming. And that might be not traveling as much. It's a very, it's a sort of a scary thing to say, but how can we deny that when we see that, when we see as a result of all this, that, you know, that, there is less pollution that the, that the we might even see the actual um, you know gl global warming go go back you know back down again you know what I mean so um, I think we have to pay attention to that we can't deny it we can't go back it, it we can't go back the same way you know what I mean we really can't um, even even automobile deaths we're going to see those go down what is that going to mean you know what I mean so travel is going to have to take. I don't know, it's gonna to have to take a serious look at itself. And, and if it wants to be responsible, how can we truly be responsible and, and do what we love to do? You know, maybe I have to do less numbers of people. Maybe I, you know, maybe that will be one way I can accommodate. I'll have to do less less travelers. You know, that might be, uh, that might be something I have to do. I, so I'm not quite sure, but I think that's, you know, staying home, uh, taking a macro look and a micro look at, at what we want to do. I think policies really need to be changing, uh, educating the consumers how how vulnerable the travel business really is. Um, having leadership in the travel business um, say those things. Um, those are some some thoughts that I've had. I think that we have been going through a degree. I mean, this past 12 months with Greta Thunberg and and other people really calling into question what is the point of our entire industry, it's been healthy conversations to have. And, and I think similar to other industries that have found themselves having to drastically and dramatically change in order to remain relevant, I think that we were already on that path to be having that conversation. And all the points that you just made, I think, are just adding even more so to that conversation. So it will be interesting what happens when this is all over. There certainly will be some pent up demand to to get out and go to a restaurant, let alone go on a trip somewhere. Right. Um, but at the same time, um, I think there's also going to be a lot more thought into why people do did what we did before and whether we should continue doing it. So I think your point is right on. And I think we're going to, even just in our own way we operate, I mean, we're all, you know, everyone's rationing a little bit more. Isn't that interesting? Like all of the things that our grandparents learned during the depression, you know, that our, that our parents, you know, shoved down our throats to not waste and so forth. You know, uh, those are the things that we're being faced with. We're being faced with simplicity, you know, we're being forced into simplicity to ride our bicycles, to be with our families, to, 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 to not rush around. Like it's almost relaxing that I don't have to decide what I want to do tonight. Like I'm just going to go home and watch this movie with my kids. Right. You know, there's this, this sort of like, Oh, I don't have to make all these decisions, you know, and, and some people are going to want to rush back in, but I'm personally thinking like, okay, this is, I've lived a simple life. I, I, you know, I grew up on a bicycle and I get the simple life and you know, I'm, I, I like it, you know, I'm okay with it. I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely fine if I can ride my 
my bicycle and, and just stay local. But I have to run a business and I have I have I have uh, people that are dependent on my business and I and I have customers that love to travel. So I'm going to try to figure out how to balance that all in. Maybe it'll you know, I'm, I'm maybe we do maybe we bring some Italian tour guides here and we run some trips here. I mean, I'm, I'm just I haven't just made any grand decisions, but I, I know that I'm sort of happy on some level that simplicity is um, is might be the silver lining to the, all of this that we with the way we do things we're just all going to take a like you know we're really going to like them we're going to like cooking at home more you know maybe those kind of things we're, a lot of things as a result of what we're forced to do maybe might allow us to like them you know um more you know maybe not drive our cars so much oh it's not so bad riding my bicycle i like riding my bicycle you know so um those are some of the things that i've been thinking about i love it without a doubt we are all going to be changed after this uh, event and we're being changed as we speak new habits new ways of looking at the world uh, definitely looking at the silver linings because boy we have to if we're going to come out of this thing period um, and it will be interesting yes we those of us who sur- who were around and survived 9-11 I, I, I guarantee you that we all know where we were that day when we heard the news and just like you alluded to our grandparents who survived the depression and what they had to do or, or parents who were in world war II or, or Vietnam or any of these other conflicts. Um, you know, those were defining characteristics for those generations. And so this is without a doubt going to be a defining characteristic for our generations going to impact who we are and how we behave for the next several decades. So, uh, and we're all trying to predict what's going to happen. That's the, probably the most difficult part about this is we don't know even and, when and anywhere degree of n- normal will happen. Innovation is certainly good. I mean, I tell my own kids, like I, I tell them, even though I don't necessarily want them to be millionaires, but I, I tell my son, I mean, millionaires were made during the depression. I mean, the, you know, th- things come out of nothing. That is what's, that's, you know, my business came out of, you know, nothing and just a love, a love of something, you know? So those are the messages I'm telling my children is like, this is a time, you know, don't be scared. Like, you know, our, our grandparents, this is when they, you know, those people that, figured out how to do things, you know, that is, those were the successful people that came out of the depression, you know, those, that's, that's who they are. They, you know, they, they were able to do something out of nothing. And I, I believe in, in human ingenuity and human innovation and, and create, you know, creation. So, I mean, that's where I'm, that's where I intended, you know, talk to my family and friends and those are the kind of conversations that I'm having. Not to say that I don't have my, you know, I don't wake up fearful sometime, not to say, I mean, those, I combat those all the time and we all, those, we should embrace those moments too. You know, there were, you know, there was, and those don't go away when you run, it's tough to run a small business. And, you know, my kids have seen, you know, they've seen the blood, sweat and tears for sure. Um, And those won't go away. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I I think it's always the, you know, it's, and the talking to the customers helps because they, you know, I love to hear their voices and that's why I, I do what I do is because I love sharing. I love sharing what I love with other people. And so at the core, like what I know at the core, and again, I told my kids this too, that's not going away. My love of cycling, my love of people, my love of sharing, my love of cycling in places with people, that's the fundamental of who I am. That's why I that's why I am. So that's my purpose. And that won't change. It might change form, uh, but that won't change. 
you know, and that's what everybody, whoever's in the travel business, you know, you just have to ask yourself, like, what's, you know, what do I do? What do I do really well? What do I love? You know, and what, what paradigm will work economically for me? And that's your purpose, you know, and I know my purpose. So, so just don't forget your purpose, you know, and realize that you can, it can be, you can shift it in a lot of different directions. Lauren, it's so great to hear the positive way that you are looking at this event. Uh, And I agree with you, the bicycle will always win. People will always want to ride their bike and people uh, hopefully have seen a, uh, you know, with this opportunity to spend more time with their family and, and focus on what they're good at. And opportunity, it does come out of times like this. So I hope that, uh, yeah, people within our industry especially will will reach up for it. I think those are such great points. Don't, and don't be afraid to go small. Remember Schumacher's book, Small is Beautiful, right? Don't be afraid. I think we've also, honestly, I that was one of my, my Bibles when I was, and, you know, I'm, I'm younger than you guys, but when I went to college, I mean, Small is Beautiful, Schumacher's book, you know, I love that book. I mean, I, I thought I was going to live by that book. I thought I was always going to live by Small is Beautiful. And, you you know, I got a little bit, you know, our business grew and grew and grew and it's okay, but I'm, I'm okay with small too. Like be okay with small, small works, you know, it's okay. I think also in the travel business, we've been very seduced by bigger competitors, big guys, the big guys. And I know I have, and you want to look like them and gee whiz, people will sometimes say, they'll look at my website and they'll say, Oh, I thought you were, and then they'll come to my office, which is small. And they'll say, Oh, I thought you were bigger than that. I'm like, you know, and so I'm, I'm like, I take that as a compliment, but I also say, you know, I, I think you have, if you're, if you're small, if you're small competitor, that's your strength. Go with it. It's okay. It's okay for some, or if you, it's okay to go back to being small. You know what I mean? You just, that I'm going to, I might work my way back to small. I mean, I'm going to, that's, it, it, and that might work better with the planet. That might work better with my family. That might work better with my customers who I have more, you know, I can pay more attention to. So I, I think that we, this embracing the big is, has, I've always been a little bit conflicted with that in, you know, in, in the, the adventure travel business and the travel business in general. There seems to be this race to the bottom, right? And, and that's what we're discovering. Excellent advice, insight, and wisdom, Lauren. And just in case people are freaking out at home, just to clarify, I think you meant that James and I are younger than you. Uh, seeing, <laughs> yeah, oh, did I, did, did I say <laughs> you that said wrong? that you were younger than us. Oh no, I'm and, sorry. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, I mean, I meant that you guys are young, right? Oh, that's right. That's you're younger. No, no, no. I, I knew what you meant, but just to clarify, I mean, because you are a very youthful looking person, and and I guarantee you, when somebody gets on a bike and goes with you, they would think you were. 20 years younger than you are, if not 30 years younger, but uh, I know I couldn't keep up. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. But if we put all three of us in an ax throwing arena, uh, at least 10 to 15 feet apart from each other, I think James, you'd probably come out on top of that (laughs) battle. I have a a slight practice advantage. Yeah. Great. Well, awesome. Well, Lauren, I just want to Thank you for being one of my mentors over the years and a good friend. And I got a chance to go on a Chiclismo trip a couple of years ago, and it was incredible. And I've I've met many of your guides through training and blown away by them personally, as well as their, their attitude towards our profession. So I can't thank you enough for everything you do just to keep our industry on the right track and for teaching me and being a good friend, but also for being on trails to the border podcast and i look forward to staying in touch with you over these next 
few months as we figure out what the heck's going to happen here. Thank you, Dan. Well, likewise, you've been a, even though you're younger than me, you're quite, you're, you're a mentor for me as well. I've always enjoyed your wisdom. We've had a lot of great conversations, walks, talks, and my, my first trip together in Africa um, on our ATTA, AW, uh, Adventure Travel World Summit um, uh, pre-trip that was. That was an amazing trip. Uh, fantastic. So um, unforgettable. So let's keep up those unforgettable times. Thank you so much for being with us today and, and yeah, sharing your your outlook on the, the whole situation that we're going through right now. It was great to catch up with you and, and uh, yeah. talk to DJ. That's my other message. Come on, you know, come on, five. Good call. Safe. That'd be great. Well, great. Well, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, again, Lauren, thanks for your insight. Uh, James, thanks for your continued friendship and wisdom as well. We'll talk to you all soon. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Ciao. Bye-bye. I, I noticed that one of us um, usually says something funny at some point on this podcast, and this has been a little both. I mean, there's been some doom and gloom, and then there's <laughs> there's been some uh, uplifting. Isn't humanity wonderful when we're not destroying everything? Uh, and I realized we need to have something funny. Got us some comedic relief, you know. Yeah, even in uh, even in tough times, global pandemic, you know, can't lose our sense of humor. So I've got a couple ideas here. Um, I'm going to work on uh, on some mashups here of songs because there is my coronavirus. We could do. Um, we could yeah. also do COVID nineteen. You know the silly <laughs> dance songs. Hey nineteen. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. we can't dance together. No, we can't touch it all. Just stay at least six feet apart. COVID nineteen. Man, you know that the song? possibilities here are are really endless. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess you could you could if we were to do like a visual aid almost. You know, you could do one of those old Corona ads with "Where's your beach." It's six mm. feet away from you. I like um, see now we're talking. <laughs> There's so, really so many options. Um, one thing I have to say that you know Corona has done for humanity as a whole is really keep people on the internet constantly. The quality of memes and comedy coming out of the internet right now, fantastic. All right. Well, that sounds like both ending on a positive note and there was a degree of humor involved there. So I think we're going to be just fine. Dan, if, if our uh, listeners want to follow you on TikTok, what's your username? <laughs> oh, man, you are really uh, calling me out here on not having a TikTok account. Um, sorry about that. What about All you? Right. Well, well I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to getting you on board. You know, on our next show, we can, uh, we can plug your account and some new followers. Sounds good. All right, James, take care. We'll stay in touch and uh, hang in there. Good luck with the bathroom remodels and everything. And let's hope we're back in action at some point in the next few months. Thanks, buddy. Stay healthy. All the best to you and the fam. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you too. Take care, James. Bye. Bye.